Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. TC, welcome to TC After Dark. I mean, welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. <laughs> Why did you say TC After Dark? I'm just trying to give you a little promo. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, there's a lot of podcasts going on. Welcome to my Book Club podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. When I write a book, after I leave town, you can, <laughs> you can interview me. Will you have to leave town after you write a book? Yes, A Cloak of Darkness. It'll be great. So... Let me set this up with your assistance, if I might, because I have no idea how this is going to turn out, nor what we're sitting on. The Athletic had a story a day ago that I posted at Smirconish.com written by Jason Jones. Headline, Tim Donahue is back in the conversation thanks to, quote, untold Doc. But why is he still relevant? The lead. It has been more than 15 years since Tim Donahue's NBA betting scandal made headlines. Now there's a Netflix documentary on the subject and untold Operation Flagrant Foul is likely to be among the most watched shows in the streaming service this month. 
The former NBA referee who admitted to betting on games pleaded guilty in 2008 to conspiracy to engage in wire fraud and transmitting wagering information to other individuals for his part in the NBA betting scandal. Should be a simple discussion. Donahue admitted his guilt, served prison time, and there's nothing else to see, right? Netflix is betting you're wrong. So I have watched this show and it's phenomenal. It's it's a, you know, one part, two hour, maybe slightly less documentary. And what makes it so special? Well, for us, this is like a pure Delco story because Donna, he is a Delco guy and two others with whom he got wrapped up, unfortunately for him and for them. Also Delco guys. Okay, for people in the rest of the country, Delco is Delaware County, a county outside of Philadelphia. Kind of important to know that, right? Yeah, mayor of Easttown. There you go. So Donahue also explains in this documentary, and I didn't understand this, there's this this rich history, this tradition of Delco providing many legendary NBA referees to the league. There are only 50 or 60 NBA referees. So it's, you know, it's the cream of the crop. It's this elite core. Donahue got there. He, he looks the part. He looks like a straight arrow, you know, Catholic schoolboy mm-hmm. type. And you could just see him in that role, fit build, but not physically imposing, just ideally in terms of the optics situated for this. So David Stern, the NBA commissioner, said in 2007 that Donahue's actions in betting on basketball were an isolated situation. I'm reading again now from Jason Jones. The NBA has never dignified any of Donahue's accusations that the league had officials manipulate outcomes to extend playoff series or that personal vendettas impacted calls in games. The NBA declined to participate in the documentary. The documentary makes you think. I mean, Donahue should not have been wagering, obviously, should not have been associating with guys who were waging, wagering, should not have been sharing inside information. But if you watch the documentary, what he says is, I never called, I'm, I'm, this is my summary, this is not him speaking, okay? I didn't call a foul where there wasn't one to impact the game, nor did I withhold the calling of a foul to impact the game. When I... When I was refereeing, I was playing it straight, but I had my ear to the ground. I was paying attention to what I was hearing in the locker room and what I was hearing from my colleagues and so on and so forth. And I was passing along that information in a way that I thought I knew the outcome of games that were about to be played. I didn't throw the games. Right. I was just giving inside information. I don't different, know that, different and, and I don't know that to people listening to this, that that even makes a difference. But anyway. So I watched the documentary, and as often is the case, because I'm, I'm sitting on so much archived material over a 30-year radio career, what do I do? I then reach out for you, and I say, hey, TC, I interviewed Tim Donahue when his book came out. Can we please find it and release it as a book club podcast? I know that you've struggled with this one. Tell me about your search. Okay, so I have totally struggled with this one. The book came out in 2010. He is listed in the archives. Blake McGill did a tremendous job with the archives, listed in the archives on 2-18-2010 and 2-19-2010. And actually just on 2-19-2010. So when I go back to 2-19-2010, there's a portion of the program where you play a piece of your interview with Tim Donahue and mention that you sat down with him yesterday. Okay? And this was when you were in 
Clearwater, Florida, at the Phillies uh, training camp. So you were broadcasting from Florida and interviewing all kinds of Phillies, talking to Charlie Manuel. You know, this was sort of part of the, you know, Sporty Spice kind of part of the show. So obviously, if I hear on 219, part of my interview where I sat down yesterday, I went back to 218 and I listened through to the whole show. We were doing morning drive at the time, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and he's not there. So I can keep going. I can go to 17. I can well, go what to... Do, what do you have? I have the piece that you played. I have your setup and the piece that you played on 219 uh, with Donahue. With Donahue. Well, why don't we, let's, let's roll it and see what we've got and leave, leave my mic open. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, sure. Here you go. Okay. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required 
accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Let's roll it and see what we've got and leave leave my mic open. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, sure. Here you go. Okay. So I want to tell you about this sit down that I had yesterday with Tim Donaghy. Tim Donaghy is the uh, the disgraced am I, former. Am I mispronouncing his name now or mispronouncing his name then? Because I think it's Donaghy. Well, you just listened to the Netflix. What is it? I don't know. I was half in the bag. I was loving it though. Today with Tim Donaghy. Tim Donaghy is the uh, the disgraced former NBA official. Actually, did time. Just just did thirteen months because he was betting on professional basketball. Frankly, he was betting on all sorts of things. But there was an, an aspect of our conversation that I want to I want to hone in on and I think we've cut this tape in a way that we'll get right to the rub of it because I asked him to read aloud from his book. And the argument that he makes is one that I I'd love to get a reaction to after you hear him explain it. He says that that you know the NBA is a small community that the NBA referees are a very tight-knit group and that they have favorites and, and they have athletes that they, they detest. And you'll hear him explain, whether it's deliberate or unintentional, but their personal view of the athletes comes out in the way in which they were officiating. So that when Donaghy goes down that disastrous road of betting on basketball, He's betting on he's he bet on games where he officiated and he bet on games where he was not officiating and he says the way he was able to do it was not through any uh involvement of other officials who would throw calls, call a foul that wasn't a foul, not call a foul that wasn't a, that was a foul, but rather he would simply look at the personalities and know who they liked and who they didn't like. So that if if well, he'll explain it. If, if you know, if Allen Iverson is playing in a particular game, and AI is a great example of, of what Donaghy was saying, he knew who liked him and who didn't like him. And he could tell the outcome of that game based on who was going to be officiating. If it's true, it begs the question of whether there's something unique about the NBA, whether it goes on in baseball. As I sit here in Florida looking at Bright House Field, the spring home of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, in the NFL, I wonder what you make of it. But first, you need to hear from uh, from Tim Donaghy. So roll that tape. It begins, I believe, with him reading a passage from the book. After he has said what he is uh, going to say in the tape, we'll open the phone lines at 877-434-1776. That's a toll-free call at 877-434-1776. I don't even remember that number. Isn't that Alan funny? Iverson provides a good example of a player who generated strong reaction, both positive and negative within the corpse of NBA referees. For instance, veteran referee Steve Javi hated Allen Iverson and was loath to give him a favorable call. If Javi was on the court when Iverson was playing, I would usually bet on the other team to win or at least cover the spread. No matter how many times Iverson hit the floor, he rarely saw the foul line. 
By contrast, referee Joe Crawford had a grandson who idolized Iverson. I once saw Crawford bring the boy out of the stands and onto the floor doing warm-ups to meet the superstar. Iverson and Crawford's grandson were standing there, shaking hands, smiling, talking about all kinds of things. If Joe Crawford was on the court, I was pretty sure Iverson's team would at least win or cover the spread. So in other words, the way that this would the way that this would operate is that once you started down this road, you would get access to I forget the lingo in the book, but you'd get access to this confidential daily listing of who would be officiating which NBA contest. Right. There was a master list of referees that was put out month by month and what I would do is I was look at that list, uh see where the relationships came into play, create a betting line in my own head, then look in the newspaper, and if my betting line was different between four or five points from the betting line in the newspaper, I would tell people to bet the games. Based entirely on the, the relationship knowledge that you had. This guy, and Iverson's a great example because, as he is with the fans, very popular in some cities and unpopular in others, you're saying it was the same with the referees. You hung with these guys. You officiated with them. You knew who liked whom. And you would then use that knowledge to make wagers and to make wagers with the other two guys who were a, a part of this this enterprise. Yes, I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. The, the relationships were both positive and negative. And uh, I used that information to uh, place uh, an enormous amount of winning picks on these NBA games. Do you think, and this is pure opinion on on, uh, on your part because you didn't officiate in, in the, the NFL or in the NHL, you think it's any different in other sports? Um, I, I can tell you that... I, that my feeling is that, that baseball, um, you know, has the ability to also, um, you know, have their officials put in a situation where they treat players and 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 teams differently than than what they should based on what happens on in the game. I think that the strike zone is bigger for um, you know some batters and smaller for others. It, it it just all depends on who it is. What has been the reaction from the officials? Uh, has anybody stood up and says said Donaghy got it right? We we hate to acknowledge it, but this is indeed the way that the way that it has been. I've had communications with people within the uh, NBA uh, family who have said that um, they've read the book and they loved it, and and they hope that it creates an enormous amount of change moving forward. That change isn't going to be drastic at this point because then it would basically show that everything in my book was right. But uh, over time, they're really looking for an enormous amount of change. This is Tim Donaghy. His book is Personal Foul. He's the NBA, former NBA official uh, who did some time after. What, what exactly did you plead guilty to? I pled guilty to wire fraud and gambling. For how long were you an NBA official? 13 years. And for how many of those years? And and, and I don't know if people can picture you as I'm looking at you, but you have a, uh, a distinct appearance. You're a good-looking guy. I'm, you know, I don't know how, how else to say it, but they would know you if they saw you. Like, oh. That's the guy. I mean, we all, those of us who watch the NBA, we all became accustomed to, to seeing you. For how many of those 13 years were you making wagers? Uh, about three and a half years. And all told, do you know what your tally was? How much did you win? How much did you lose? I, I'm not sure. I think I probably um, won around $100,000 over those, uh, you know, over that time frame. But I think that was, you know, bet on different things, maybe lost in football games or at casinos or, or backroom card games. So, I'm not sure what the actual profit was, but I know on NBA games, I would, I would probably think that I was able to uh, bring in around $100,000. But you were making a great living. You're making like $250,000 a year. You're traveling all around the country. You're on television and so forth. I mean, why? What, what caused the downfall? You know, obviously, looking back, uh, I ask myself that question every day. I think it's, it's the power of addiction, and it's the power of 
when you're addicted to something, whether it's drugs or alcohol, you do things that you rationally know are wrong. And unfortunately for me, it was placing bets on NBA games. You were betting even before you started betting on NBA games. Yes. Uh, you were going down to Atlantic City, by way of example, and, and you should not have been doing that, right? Your contract, as, as I, I think I remember you explaining it in the book, said that you weren't allowed to do any kind of gambling. None at all. Uh, not even bet on the golf course, which I did a lot of. Or, um, you know, like you said, go to the casinos or, or play in big money card games at the country club. All but that was forbidden. How did you get away with that? I mean, you're, you are such a recognizable face. I'm wondering, how did no one ever drop the dime on you when you were in a casino and playing cards? Or do you think the NBA was aware of it and didn't care about it? Because you also say that there's a culture of gambling in the NBA. There is a culture, and, and I think it was a situation where at times, you know, you would wear a baseball hat down, pulled over your eyes, or if we felt that it was a situation where somebody might recognize us, we would drive an hour outside of the city we were in to some remote uh, Indian reservation casino and, and do our gambling there. So when, when and how did gambling on NBA games begin? It began, um, you know, after I just enjoyed gambling so much and, and I enjoyed the, the lifestyle that it provided for me and the thrills that it gave me. And I had information that I knew it was easy for me to place winning picks on these games. But and was there a critical moment that one day, I mean, you talk, there's a country club scene in the book. Is there that one moment that Tim Donaghy for the rest of his life is going to look back and say, damn, that one decision I made sent me down that road. No doubt about it. I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. A, a friend of mine had the Philadelphia Daily News with the betting lines in it um, for the NBA games that night and, and asked me who I thought would win. And I told him uh, three games that I thought would win, and two of the three of them were winners. And the next day, we started placing bets on NBA games. And you picked those three or so winners because of the relationships or the way in which you perceive those referees looking at the specific players? Uh based on how I perceived referees looking at certain players, certain coaches, and certain owners. And I was able to know who was refereeing those games that night, and I was able to pick uh, pick the winner. Well, are you saying that it was subconsciously or consciously that a referee would be more prone to call a foul on Allen Iverson because he liked or disliked him? Did they know what they were doing, or do you think that they were just unable to contain their own feelings about those athletes? I don't think there's any doubt that they knew what they were doing, and I have a... Um, situation that i write about in the book when he threatened one of our top referees and and i had one of his next games and you know the referees decided to invoke uh, justice of our own and, and strictly enforce palming violations and and maybe those fouls that he got while going to the basket you know we, we kind of laid off of them a little bit and basically stuck it to him to your knowledge any other officials involved in betting on nba games not to my knowledge. I know that I've had a lot of discussions with FBI um, officials who, who basically said there's no proof that any other referees bet on NBA games, but they find it hard to believe that they weren't passing along the information that I had knowledge to because uh, it, it's something that was um, you know discussed on a daily basis. All right. Wow. I, I sat here with an open mic the whole time. I didn't want to talk over it because I, really, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was so interesting. I can't. It's an irrelevancy. I, but What's I, I your can't, recollection? I, my recollection now is that I interviewed him on more than one occasion. As I listened to that interview, it sounds like a first I agree with interview. That. I agree with that. I have it's close to the time the book dropped. I, I have recollection that we got along and that he came back on my program on a subsequent occasion. 
I have recollection of interviewing him in Florida, but I, I just can't wrap my head around. Well, that must have been in Florida because it said yesterday and you were down there at Clearwater, unless you did something in the studio and then flew down. Could have been. Could have been. It could have been. Because but hey, worth it. When worth I, it. What, Glad what, to have that yeah, yeah. Why even get caught up in it? Well, why not? Here's what else are we going to do? <laughs> but the part that I find really interesting, and this comes out in the Netflix special, and I'm now going to refer to him as Mr. Donna Gee because I was sitting in his company and he didn't correct me. So that's got to be the right answer, right? But you understand what I was saying before we rolled tape, TC. He's he's making the case, and, and maybe it matters not. Like, who cares? He was betting, and he shouldn't have been betting. Right. But On everything. But he's <laughs> saying, I didn't throw games. Right. I just bet I on didn't them. throw games. I just took the knowledge, my insider information. He took knowledge about relationships yeah. and used it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's, he's like very straightforward if, about if it. If I'm a fly on the wall in the Sixers locker right. room, maybe I'm the towel boy if there is such a thing. And I know who's got a, a knee that is sore mm-hmm. or a throbbing ankle. And I'm I'm not throwing any game, but I'm acting on that information. Yeah. That's what that's what Donaghy is saying. Yeah, I that think he it's did. worth watching that. You seem so very enthusiastic about that special. So. Well, it's the same. It's the same Netflix uh, brand responsible for the Manti Teo right. documentary, which is out right now. Amazing. And is is also excellent. It's hard to keep up with all of the television that is that is out there and worthy of our attention. But. I'm really glad to at least give you a little taste of this. Personal foul. Yeah, personal foul, a first-person account of the scandal that rocked the NBA. TC, thank you so much for being here on Book Club. Oh, I'm very glad to be a guest. I wish you all good things on TC After Dark, your podcast. Why, thank you, Michael. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays.